Well, it's that time of year again when we all get to put a finger in the air and make an educated guess about what we think we need to do over the next year to drive our businesses forward. And then we have to pair that with the resources that we have to see what all we can actually get done. If you're anything like me, planning can be a difficult task, but today we'll try and make it a little bit easier for you. Demand Gen U is officially in session. Let's do it. All right, so disclaimer, well, two disclaimers. One, you can tell that I sound like shit and very nasally right now, but I promise you that I, I feel way better than I sound right now. Yes. And then two, this is one of those episodes where we are going to be very open and honest and real with you all about what maybe doesn't work so well when it comes to marketing at Metadata. And I think you'll learn why. And it's, it's planning. Like we are big fans of winging it sometimes to a fault. And I think for us, this is one of those times, given the outside world on fire, that planning is really, really hard right now because you can't see out into the future like marketers wish they could all the time. Yeah, um, it's funny. And we joke about this in, in our team a lot that I come from the ops world, right? So like my entire career for the most part is in marketing operations. And yet, um, <laughs> I just struggle with planning. I really do. And... I've it's kind of like it. a like you're allergic almost. In it is an Achilles heel. It for sure is, and it's funny because I, this exact same time last year, I was we were getting into it, and I was trying to pull a plan together, and like, um, and I struggled, and I remember I was meeting with DG for help and Marcel and asking for help, and they'd all give me great help, and then I would do none of it. I would like just I was just like, no, that's not going to work. And I tried to even dig in. I think I even had probably a couple of sessions with my counselor about it. That's like that serious. Like, what is going on? Why can't I figure this out? Um, and I still don't have the greatest answer. I think some of it is, some of it I think is like, in my mind, I feel like, well, because we're a startup and everything seems to go so fast and change so rapidly that like, is this just, once I, as soon as I get the plan done, is it automatically wrong? You know, cause like we're changing everything. None of these are by the way, good reasons to not do it. Like, let's just be clear. Like these are not good reasons, but I'm, I'm still trying to like dig deep into the psyche to figure out what it is that's blocking me. But I, so then I pulled it up this year and I, I start making the exact same mistakes I made last year. It's like, I learned nothing. And so, and Mark can even says, I come to the team meeting last week, like, all right, y'all, here's the strategy for the next couple of quarters. And they're like, oh, it's a task list. Thanks. Like, like, thanks for that. I'm like, no, this is the strategy. So I'm going to defend you a little bit here. And I think <laughs> this is why it's so challenging. And before I defend you, what we are telling you on this episode is not to create a 12-month marketing plan. <laughs> it's not realistic. Like, even before what the last couple of months, it's not realistic, especially as a startup. There's just too much that's changing. Should you have goals for the year? Yes. Should you have a plan for the year? Absolutely not. There's no world where you're going to stay true to that. So just so we're clear. Now, why I think it's been challenging at Metadata is because of who you are presenting it to and really getting feedback from. And I think Gil, our CEO, needs a specific level of detail. If there's too much detail, he tunes out and says, I'm not going to look at this. I don't want this. Then you have the uh, even more simpleton people of the world, which are the DGs and others, where it's like, oh yeah, it's the straightforward, just this, this, and this. And it's like, right. well, wait a second, don't you still need to know what to do? And then you have our team 
who wants to be involved in the planning process, but also wants to have a sense of, you know, tactically, okay, if these are the goals and priorities, what do I then need to do work-wise? So it is challenging because you have all these different perspectives and they need different levels of detail. And if you all show them the same doc, there's no way that they'd be happy with the plan. Yeah, yeah, and there's, there's some of where, because of who we hire, I want to make sure everybody has the ability to say like, this is how I'm going to get my stuff done in my functional area. And so, but in my mind, I have these ideas, you know, I'm like, oh, I think these are the things we need to do. So I always, I also kind of sometimes struggle with, well, how much do I prescribe versus how much do I just leave it really at a top level and then let you all kind of take it and then figure it out from there. So I think there's, there's some of that that I struggle with as well. It's like, how much detail do I put in? Um, anywhere from like, it could go from anywhere from three bullets. Here's the three priorities, everybody like take it and run to like three priorities and five tasks each, you know, I, and so, um, so yeah, I think we'll, we'll maybe figure it out this year. I hope so. And I think one of the other things before we get into it that I think we've really struggled with and part of it does come working at an early stage startup, but I do think we need to take ownership of this both as a, a team and as a company we just get started too late on it. Like when yeah. we are planning for a given quarter and starting the planning in that quarter or planning for the fiscal year at the start of the fiscal year, yeah. you're already behind the eight ball because then you're, you don't even know what you're doing, you know, a month into a quarter or two months into the year. It's like, well, wait a second. How do I do what I need to do in the first part of the year? That's exactly where I'm at right now. This is day four of the quarter and we don't know what our Q4 goals are. We literally don't like we're, so Brittany asked me today, and I'm like, get more efficient than last quarter? I'm like, I don't know how much pipeline we have to deliver yet. Like, I literally don't know. And I won't know for probably a week. And so, yeah, it's, and we're having, luckily, we're now having those discussions in our leadership team meetings at the company level, um, because both Clay and I and other folks on the team, especially go-to-market folks, the go-to-market folks, like, we just need to know what the goal is by when so that we can plan our resources to that, those timings and those numbers. And so we need to know it well ahead of time, especially like sales, if they have to hire into a number, like there's ramp time involved and there's ramp time in marketing too. You know, if I have to hire into some, some folks into the team as well, they need ramp time to, before they become fully proficient. So, uh, so luckily last year, I think we were, yeah, we were doing 2022 planning in February, which was when 2022 started for us. So at least, you know, we're going to an offsite next week. We're going to start talking about 2023 next week. So we'll get a couple of months better, but we're learning. that only will work if that continues from next week and doesn't just stop after two days. Um, so, yeah, so we'll see. Hopefully we're just kind of getting incrementally better. And I think the other thing that's a little aspirational for us right now, but it's something that we truly are trying to do is get better at not just planning within our own team, but also marketing our plan internally so that other teams can see the what, the why, and the how for everything that marketing is doing because they know that we're busy and they know that we're strapped for time and resources, but they don't always understand the, the what, the why, and the how. And I think marketing that plan will do us wonders and it's going to be a big priority for us, you know, through the end of this year and beyond. Yeah, and that's like, that's probably advice number one on the call today, <laughs> you know, is like, um, hold on. This is our podcast. You're a co-host. We've been doing it. For oh, I said call. This is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. What are we doing? Um, 
Yes, tip number one for today's episode. Um, involve other teams, you know, so like, especially sales. So if you're in marketing and you're not planning with sales, I'd be like, why not? Um, because also you don't want to just, you definitely don't want to show up at a leadership meeting and be like, here's the marketing plan and sales. Like, wait, I haven't even seen this. I don't know what you're doing. Why are you doing this? And so I like to plan together with sales. Definitely. Um, and yeah. can you talk a little bit about how you do that with Clay? Yeah. So, um, so what it looks like is I constantly nag Clay until he knows what his number is. So I'm like, Clay, what's your number next quarter? Clay, what's your number next quarter? It's like, I don't know. I'm trying to figure that out. So that's usually like a couple of weeks there of just like bugging him for the number. And then um, once he gives me the number, what I do, and this is just quarter to quarter, um, is I go in and I say, okay, is your pipeline cleaned up for next quarter? Cool. All right. I go in and I take a look at the pipeline. I do a stage analysis. What, what's going to convert? You know, we do all this math on it. So I know, okay, this is, this is how much um, of the existing pipeline that we think you'll convert next month. Uh, or sorry, next quarter. And then we do a delta. All right. Do we have more or less pipeline than we need? Uh, we always have less than we need. So then, okay, cool. What are we, what's that delta? And then we take about 70% of that delta for marketing. Um, but then what that means is this is in quarter, right? So if I'm like right now, I'm saying, hey, this is the start of Q4. This is a Q4 pipeline. We like to be a quarter ahead. So what this means is the pipeline we deliver this quarter, I have to look at it in separate buckets. One bucket is closing this quarter, and then another bucket is closing after this quarter sometime. So the goal, we'll have two goals. One will be the in-quarter pipeline that you still need to close the gap between what exists and what you need. And then the rest of it will go ideally in the next quarter. And so, um, yeah, that's how we do it. It's pretty easy. So like we have, although this quarter will be different because our, our conversion rates aren't holding from last quarter. Um, so we'll have to kind of relook at that uh, and do some just new math, new models. But, um, but from that point, because we have a model, it's actually pretty easy. So we're going to leave an Easter egg in this episode and see if Clay actually listens to DJU. Uh, <laughs> usually when you propose a plan to Clay, what does he tell you? <laughs> he's always, he's usually 100% okay with it. And so I, <laughs> I love Great. working with Clay. I'm like, hey, Clay. Um, we love Clay, but um, we're giving him some shit here. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, the best marketing or sales leader relationship I've ever had. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, it, it's either because he trusts us or he thinks that sales does all of the selling. Like it's one of the two where he's like, yeah, do marketing, do whatever you want. Cause we, we're actually doing all the work here. It's either that, or he actually trusts me. I'd like to, I'll stick with the trust me one. Like, I think it's a trust thing. Yes. Uh, awesome. Now, you know, while we're trying to improve how we plan for our team and throughout the company at metadata, and it's a bit of a shit show right now as to be expected at an early stage startup. You've done this quite a bit before at much larger and more established companies. So I don't want to just, you know, self-deprecate on our planning for the entire episode. Uh, I do want to pull from some of your experience in past lives when this has gone well. So do you want to yeah. start with Tableau or uh, Getty or I think you said Workfront maybe, right? Yeah, Workfront. I mean, because what Mark and I were talking about too is I've actually never been a part of a planning process that I was like, oh, this was amazing. I want to do this everywhere I go. I've learned from the, obviously I, I don't, I don't have one now that I use. Um, but Workfront was probably the closest. Um, 
and it was a very formal process. And so it started, I think in September, if I am not mistaken, which seems right, you know, it's about a quarter and some change right before the end of the year, we were on a normal fiscal year there. Um, and it starts with the, like, the CEO coming in and talking about the goals for the company for the year. So, so like, and there's three to five of these priorities that have goals specifically associated with them. And somehow they already know what those are gonna be because you know, a larger company, you probably have a better sense of where you're gonna end the year. And like nothing really fluctuates hugely usually at these big companies. And so even a quarter ahead, you kind of know probably within 5%, I wanna say probably where you're gonna net out for the year. So you can use that as like the starting point. So it's a little bit easier. Um, then after that, and that's like, that was like a discussion. That was like a half day. Like these are the company priorities, all the like the CEO's first line and then their first line. So I don't know what, like we called it the ELT that work front, the extended leadership team. Um, we'd all be in a, in a room for half a day and just talking through like what those are, what those look like. Um, going back and forth, you know, like conversation, you know, just converse. Convert, and how much prep, how much prep would you and your boss do going into that meeting then? Like, well, this one was almost what you no thought prep. the plan this would be was where like... we'd like, yeah, this is where we'd hear the priorities. Then we'd have time to go off and like, okay, then yeah. each C-level then ran their own planning process. And what ours looked like in marketing was again, just getting the leaders together. Okay. Here are the company goals. You guys go off, put together what you think your priorities are. Um, what resources you'll think you'll need to make that happen. Um, and we did it in a OKR way there. And we had a tool that we used actually, I don't remember what it was called, but, um, so we could set up a little bit bigger kind of, um, what the fuck is the O objective key result. Hey. OKR. Yeah. yeah. We could set up better O's. We've had a week. So this is uh this is Friday afternoon. Uh, if you couldn't tell by the the quality so far, just kidding. This has been good, uh, but it's a little uh, lax on the prep right now. And you're sick, and like, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah the, now the I'll, I'll take it from you for a second, uh, just so you can kind of collect your thoughts and get it together. Cool. So, I've used OKRs at previous companies, and when done well, I'm a big fan of them. And I say when done well because I've seen them create a ton of extra work, and it helped the team but it didn't necessarily help your team working with other teams. And I think it failed because the OKRs were not shared throughout the entire company. Now, when it worked really well was when the OKRs were shared across departments. So you could then see the goals, the priorities, everything that those teams were working on. And it, one, helped with transparency, and two, oftentimes, other departments were counting on you in their OKRs and you then knew additional work that you weren't already accounting for. So it's nice to see, oh, okay, CS is gonna be standing up a customer education program. Oh wait, they're gonna need a lot of marketing help. And then that's not in your OKRs at all. And it just helps you plan out your year. So I've seen it work well and not work well, but I'm a big fan of OKRs. When you say they shared their goals, do you just mean they shared them with people or they actually had shared goals with other departments? Like. Hey, uh, the goal in both departments. Yes. Uh, I guess a little bit of both. Uh, yeah. I originally meant shared from a visibility perspective and that everyone could access the OKRs and see what they were. They weren't protected like in a vault. Uh, yeah. But then sometimes there were shared OKRs between two different teams that were going to co-own something. Um, 
you know, I'm usually not a big fan of co-ownership because it means that no one's really owning it. But if it's a really big media objective and it requires two departments to work on it, I can get behind that. Yeah. That's the one thing when you said that, it reminded me like at Workfront, we actually did have shared goals where like, and we did it on purpose to kind of force more communication and like exactly. conversation across the aisle. And so I do remember that too. And you saying that kind of trick that reminded me of it, but, um, but yeah, it was just, and oh, and the other thing we would do is we do both a bottoms down and a tops up, which I really liked too, because what, what that would give you is like the bottoms up is like, all right, greenfield, these are my goals. I don't care what you, what I think I'm going to get. This is what I think I need to make that happen. And then they give you the top down number and you're like, okay, this is the resources I have. What do I think I can do with those? And then it's nice to just look at the gap. Like, what's that gap? Are you a 10% gap? Are you a 70% gap? Um, and I really, I, li I like doing both because I think it really gives you that, I don't know, pretty clear picture of what you're missing out or where that area is. So I have a funny story. Macario Nami, who was the CMO that I worked for at Uptake and one of my references when I got this job, that was the first time that I had ever heard of doing top down and bottoms up. And yeah. when he was explaining it to me and he had worked in enterprise SaaS for a while, I like a little, you know, immature Mark, I was like, well, in my, my head, I'm thinking, well, why do you need to do this? Like, isn't it just going to be the same thing? Like, are you going to get to the same point? Mm -hmm. <laughs> was I wrong? When you do a bottoms up and a top down and you are way off, yeah. it is the best thing to know at that point in time because it's a reality check. It's like, we are yep. not aligned properly. We don't have the right resources. We are not even going to come anywhere close. And yep. that's what happened when we did the top down and bottoms up. So I'm yep. a big believer and proponent of that. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's actually, yeah, I probably first started doing that at Tableau, I think. Um, and it was just like, oh, this is, this is really nice. And you have to be really good at like what you think you can do and you don't want to pad it too much because you want the reality as much as possible. Um, and it can be very telling and you can make a lot of, get a lot of insights and help with your planning by doing that. Like really help your planning. Um, Cause then you need to know, like, do I need to go back to the table immediately? <laughs> like, and before we even get too far down the planning, cause we're so far off, I don't even know where to take it from here. Yep. Or like, are we close? And like, when you're close and you actually get some stomach comfort, you actually get some comfort. Cause you're like, oh shit, 10%. Okay. That's actually pretty cool. If you're 10% on a bottoms down tops up, I think that's like probably- That's a win. Yeah. yeah. I was probably 40 to 45% off and I wanted to bash yeah. my head into my keyboard. And I was like, what yeah. is like, what? Like the, what, what world is this gonna work? Yeah. Yep. Because yep. <laughs> when you're that far off, then you also know like, it's not just this person's math. You know what I mean? Like, no. like if you're really bad at math, but if it's that far off, you know, okay, there's, there's likely a problem in here. <laughs> yeah. So enough about OKRs for now. Let's bring it back to marketing team planning. So you've got, let's say, your company goals. You then turn it into a, a, a revenue goal that marketing needs to generate. There's a pipeline contribution. You've got all that stuff. I think the math in some ways is the easier part of the planning if you yeah. know how to plan for it. Um, how did you start to plan for other functions in the marketing team? And we can pull from how we're doing it here at Metadata and then also what you did at Workfront too. Yeah, so it kind of continues from that same process, right? So like, um, or here, here's the company's priorities. And if I was an ops team there, okay, here's our ops priorities. And here's how these ops priorities will um, support the marketing priorities that then support the company priorities. Um, and then I would have each of my leaders go and say, okay, these are our three priorities in ops. 
what do each of you need to do and what goals do each of you need to have to basically give us a good shot at this? And so just keep cascading it down essentially until we got down to the bottom. Um, but the thing I'm, you know, I, we were talking about before, like the thing with larger companies is those plans just never really changed. You know, like it felt like they, they, we could almost do an annual plan. I mean, there were, and you, you knew the big projects you wanted to take on because sometimes they'd be three to six month projects. They were these big, like meaty things you'd have to do. And you kind of knew those in advance. So you, there wasn't a lot of like in the middle of the year replanning or reframing or coming up with new ideas that just didn't seem like that was the, and maybe it was just the enterprises I worked at, but this is kind of how it felt. It just felt like it really got pretty solidified during that planning process. And we didn't, we pretty much just executed against the plan, but the planning process I remember took a lot of time. Like that was one of my, in those roles, like for those two months ish is probably like taking up most of my time during that time, 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 time. <laughs> so we're talking about enterprise planning. We're at a series B startup right now. There's no one size fits all approach to planning. But I think one of the things that we are trying to do with our own team is get them a little bit more involved in the planning so that it doesn't feel like they're just taking orders at the end of the day. So let's try to walk through how we're doing that right now. You know, even though it's not working perfectly, uh, yeah. just so others can learn how we are doing it and building in public. Yeah. One of the things that I like to do that I'm, I'm still trying to figure out if this works well or not is I always like to plan for well more than I know we can get done. And it kind of takes the OKR flavor a little bit because, you know, with OKRs, you're not expecting to get everything done, um, but it's not really set up in that way. It's just kind of set up and we try and prioritize things and we try and give some timing, like when we kind of want these things done. But the approach I try and take, and I just, I don't think, it doesn't create a lot of comfort in the team though, is like, I'll let you let, keep going, but I can respond why from my yeah, own no, perspective. No, yeah, I'll keep going. <laughs> Is, is because as we're setting it up, I have no expectation that they're all gonna get done. And and I try and make everyone aware, and I just, I, I just try to do it, I probably do it informally and not well, but that like, hey, you do not need to get 100% of these things done to get your bonus. You know, like that's not, and even Gil, like and no one's getting fired if we don't get these things done. Like that's not how we operate. Um, and so I like to have these big, a big list of things and then priorities and then some things will have deadlines, you know, but you try and minimize, really minimize the number of things with deadlines because as a team, I don't really know our capacity, you know, and also as we're fluctuating, we lay people off, hire people, like our, our capacity is always changing. And so, so instead of trying to really maniacally understand our capacity and then plan to that, I just plan for a lot more work and then let's just see what all we can get done. So we always have stuff in the backlog. So we're never like, oh, great. My day's done here. Uh, I'll see you guys tomorrow or whatever. But um, so anyway, so that's kind of how I think about it. But like I said, it don't, it works well for me. <laughs> I don't think it works well for the team. So yeah, tell me what, tell me how the, yeah, how yeah, you guys. Think. So I think, and we'll go back to, we're recording this on a Friday, Friday, November 4th. We went through Jason's initial plan on Monday. What was that? That was Halloween. And myself included, everything that's in there feels like it's the right thing to be working on and we want to do all of the things. The reality is we can't get to all of those things. Yep. So I'm already trying to focus a little bit more. Now where 
I get the most anxiety is from getting burned before with Gil, which is when he sees something, that expectation is then set that, okay, that's what you're doing. That's what you're holding yourself accountable to. This is what you're going to get to. And I don't want to set myself up selfishly for failure or the team up for failure. So I'm trying to do a little bit less while still stretching ourselves in the plan to avoid having a conversation with Gil a month from now being like, you didn't start on that. You didn't push that forward. Like why? And I hate those conversations. Yep. Yep. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, and yeah, and maybe what we can do is like, we have a shorter list for Gil and then we have like our longer Gil, list. Don't, Gil, don't listen to this episode. Yeah, no, yeah. Gil. Yeah, Gil. <laughs> um, no, but that, you know, it brings up a good point that I actually written in the outline. Like some of this, I just speak of which being... Gil. Yeah. <laughs> Gil. So actually, hold on. This is funny. So Gil uses WhatsApp because he bounces around uh, from the U.S. and the Dominican Republic. And Jason is not a WhatsApp user, and I am not a WhatsApp user. The only reason why we have WhatsApp on our computers and phones is for Gil. So anytime we're on a call or recording DGU right now and we hear that damn noise, it's like, oh, God, what? what, what, what? <laughs> I have focus turned on. So Apple, so WhatsApp has figured out some way around of like still dinging me when the focus is on for that. Of course, and of course, it's that app that Gil is on. So like right now, I'm like, what's Gil want? But, you know, I'm not yeah. going to look at it. <laughs> um, Perfect. But now, uh, oh, yeah. So back to the, it's a negotiation, right? So like. Think of this forecasting and, and budgeting and resources, really, it's a negotiation. And trust me, your leader expects that. They're, I mean, they expect it a little bit. Um, and you wanna walk into it. So like, I always, my plan is always more than I think I'm gonna need. Like, um, probably by 20 to 30%, honestly. But the thing is, is you have to make it look very legit. You know, it has to look like, Yes, I need all of these resources. Because if you go to the table and people can just sniff out and like, oh, you just like buffer? What the fuck is a buffer line? I, you know, like, <laughs> you just don't. Um, but if you can sell that like, no, I need this. And then they're like, okay, uh, I really want to give this to you. But can you, like, I plan for a million three, let's say. <laughs> but I'm okay. But I know inside I'm okay with a million. And so if I get walked back, I'm like, I still act like it's painful. You know, like, oh my God, I don't, you know, like, I don't know if I can do it with that. But inside I'm like, okay, I know there's a path to this with 30% less budget. It's not my best path. You know, like I, I feel very good about meeting this with the 1.3 and I'm not making up. I'm like, I know where I'd spend it and stuff, but it gives me like an easy path to it, right? The less is a harder path to it. Um, but it gives you some way to walk back without like, if you put your, your tightest plan forward, they're gonna walk it back and then you're gonna be like, shit. So loosen the plan up a little bit and then let them walk you back. But it's just like selling. So marketers got to become salespeople at this time. <laughs> well, there have been quarters where, I forget when this was, but I know it's definitely happened here, where you would show the plan to Gil uh, and we're working with Jim, our new CFO, but previous CFOs. And the reaction was like, that's all you're asking for? Like you're not asking for more? And that is not a good spot to be in. I no, no. Exactly. Yeah. Cause then you're just like, God, you just left money on the table and you're just shooting yourself in the foot. Um, and I was bad at that cause I, I really value scrappiness and efficiencies. And so I love when somebody tells us like when it was just you and I for the longest time and people would be like, it's just you and Mark, like, what are you doing? I, 
that would feel so good. I love that. Like, yes, yeah, we can do the work of like five marketers. Um, I love that feeling, but you know, you don't need to live like that forever. You know, it's like, you know, you, it's good to have that and be able to operate that way. But if you have the opportunity to get more resources, get more resources for yourself, you know, like make it hard, make it easier on yourself. Give yourself more of a shot at hitting that number. The problem we ran into, we met our number or beat it every single quarter. So then I think what happens when that happens is a CFO will sniff you out and like, all right, this is what you asked for and you've literally beat your number every single quarter. Okay, I think we can probably pull that back and I bet you'll figure out how to make it. So lesson learned, you know, um, Maybe throw a quarter. I'm just kidding. Don't throw a quarter. <laughs> this is we're not telling you to sandbag right now. Yes. Not, yeah. Don't do that. But um, but just think about that's a potential possibility if you just continually are beating your number. Like that's probably going to come and bite you a little bit. But so I think this is kind of a good segue into the the next part of this, which is planning. As always, is tough. Planning right now in the current market and what's going on is even more difficult than I think any of us would like for it to be. So for our own planning and any advice that you would give people who are listening to this episode, how should they even think about planning, you know, in a down economy like right now? Like you've gone yeah. through this before with previous, you know, uh, let's just say <laughs> uh, things, outside things that have impacted like our own work world. So pull from that experience from previously having to go through this. Yeah, I mean, um, the reality is right now, whatever plan you come up with is wrong. It's just wrong. It's wrong. Everybody's wrong um, because nobody really knows what's going to happen. And this, whatever it is, doesn't match any previous one, right? So like, this isn't like a normal recession. This isn't like a normal pandemic, which that isn't a normal thing. But like we saw in the pandemic, we were only two months down and then fucking like shot up, rockete like rocketeered up. Well, that's not happening right now, you know? And so... This is different than the pandemic. This is different than 2008. It's different than everything else. It's caused by different things. So we have really no idea. No idea when it's going to turn around. No idea what companies are doing with budgets. So really just planning out one to two quarters is about all you should really focus on. You should have some idea of where you want to land at the end of the year, but that has to be flexible. Like if you're trying to set hard goals for like fireable goals for more than, well, no goal should be fireable, but you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're really trying to be hardcore about that and it's a, it's important to your company to meet that number, like you gotta be more flexible or bring that way down. So you have, be conservative, I guess, be conservative in your planning. I guess that's probably the best thing I can say. Um, and only try and plan out a quarter or two at a time right now. Uh, Cause anything further than that, you're gonna waste, you're wasting your time on trying to plan it. Cause it's gonna change. Uh, we just don't know when. So yeah. And then try and do like, what we're trying to do is I'm trying to look at, well, what was the best quarter we had in the, like the last year? And can we try and like, just make that same quarter happen again with fewer resources and just start there. Like start with small wins. Don't, don't try and like, oh, okay. So we got a 40% budget cut and the goals changed by 10%. Don't, that's too much to take on. Like small wins get you there. And then the other question that is not in the outline, but I'm sure it's an easy question for you to answer. So you met with Marcel yesterday, and Marcel is one of our advisors, longtime metadata customer and multiple uh, customer. Um, 
and he kind of a mentor to you in some ways. And I think you were yeah. reviewing the, the revised plan with him yesterday and we just had a team meeting. You mentioned this and it sounded like that conversation went well. So what was some of the advice that he gave you when looking at our plan for the next two quarters? Yeah, he just looked at it and he's like, oh, cool, list of tasks. He's like, nice job. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, there's a strategy. He's like, um, he's like, I can understand why the team would be like, what is this kind of? Um, there were some things in there. Like one thing I like just stands out. I basically prescribed an entire program. Like instead of giving like the idea of like a goal or something, I'm like, we need to do exactly this. And it was like literally just a full program, you know, in there. And it's like, and like you said, it might be right, but that's not the level that should be in this plan at this point. And so, you know, Marcel's advice is three priorities. No more than three. Can't be four, not five, not two, three. And we all like the, the rule of threes, right? Everybody likes three. I'm the biggest rule of three guy there is. So thank you, Marcel, for getting through to yeah. Justin. Yeah. Um, and just see, can you, what are your three top priorities? And then what are the major kind of activities that should happen, that need to happen for those priorities to have a chance of happening? And then let the team figure out like, okay, how do we execute on this stuff? Um, and so I'm trying to basically, yeah, just try to reframe it uh, in three priorities for the quarter, quarter to quarter and a half is probably where we're planning right now, four months. So last question for now, and then we should definitely do another episode on this, let's say three months from now, so we can see how well the planning went and how co uh, close we came to hitting the plan. One of the things that we've done a poor job of before when it comes to this is revisiting the plan and kind of comparing yeah. progress of what oh, we're doing yeah. and what we said we would do to the actual yeah. plan. So to put you on the spot, have you thought at all about how we're going to, you know, potentially do it differently in the next two quarters so it doesn't just turn into this big project that then sits on a shelf and we don't look at it again? No, but we need to like in my mind the plan has to be one that can be used that way and that's why i'm trying to think like mm -hmm. what does the plan need to look like so that we can crack it back open and kind of see where we are marcel you know with the way marcel says that he's like we look at it every week he's like we open it up every single week and that that is that becomes our roadmap you know for mm -hmm. the quarter and we check in on the things and what has changed what's so if we could get to that, I mean, that sounds nice. You know, it does, it does sound we have, nice. We have tried that at times too. I think when we went through this in like April timeframe of this year, we came right out of the gate doing that for probably, I would say four to six weeks. And then we kind of lost yeah. focus on that. I yeah. love doing that because then it grounds everything that you're talking about in a given week or month against the goals at the end of the day and the, the why you're doing things. So. I would love to. Do yeah. That. And I think for that, for us to do this, I have to get commitment from Gil that this is it because that's part of what happened. Good luck. Last couple of times. <laughs> like, I would like, Hey, this is it. Yep. And there's like a month and it's like, Oh, this and this and things would get added. And like, and so I just, I think if we do it in these shorter timeframes, we can probably lock that in. If it's a three month plan, I think Gil should be able to like stamp that mm -hmm. and say, yes, I'm not going to shift you from that for those next three months. Then let's revisit it after that. I, could, mm. I think I could get that. I could get down with that. And I think the team would probably like that. It's not a half a year. It's not a whole year, but mm -hmm. at least for the next three months, I kind of know what I'm focused on. Um, I might not be able to complete all these things in that time even, but you know, then they go to the next, the next period. So yeah. So something like that. So we can keep coming back to it. So actual last question, something that you said just reminded me of this. So what would you recommend people who are going through planning right now? Like the 
percent that they should be planning for because the reality is yeah. you can't have a hundred percent of your stuff planned it, in no yeah. world will that ever work even 80 percent which i hear thrown around all the time even that seems a little unrealistic so i guess yeah. how much are you trying to plan for yeah so i say this number all the time and then i never know how to actually manage it. but it's like it's you don't want to plan more than 70 percent of your team's time um and it could be even less and still be totally fine. Like it could be 50%, honestly, and probably still be totally okay. It just kind of depends on your culture and how work comes in and how you manage it and triage it and that kind of thing. Um, but I realized this several jobs ago where I was like, I tried to buck the system. I tried to be like, no, I'm in ops. We're going to plan this thing out. We're not going to move from this plan at all. And then realizing it just butting my head against the wall every time. Like, ah, that, that didn't work. That didn't work. Planning my team's time out to 100%. Um, and I was like, okay, if I can't change the org, we can change ourselves. You know what I mean? So like, let's change ourselves and like how we plan and take on work. And so that's really where it started like three or four jobs ago. And I keep trying to do it that way, but I just, you know, how do you actually get to the capacity, the true capacity? And then developing engineering teams are better at this, but like t-shirt sizing things and like stacking that up. It's like, ah, with a six-ish person marketing team, I don't think we need that yet. Uh, maybe sometime later on, but yeah. Awesome. Well, one of the things that we'll make sure to link out to in the write-up for this episode is the demand planning spreadsheet that we have. I think that's one of the best pieces of content that we have, and it's more timely than ever. We I sent it out in the community today, and I was surprised by the reaction because many people in the community had not seen it yet. So that will come in handy for everybody listening. And then, uh, like I said earlier, we'll have to do another episode in a few months from now so we can either laugh or cry or be proud of everything that we plan for coming out of this episode and see how close we came to uh, what we said we were going to do. Yep. Yeah. We'll have some way of tracking. That's what, that's what we should, I want to like lock the plan in and then let's just see like what were we able to, cause that, that'll be a lot of learnings too, right? Like what actually were you, what did you think you'd be able to do? And then what did you end up doing at the end of the quarter without too much thinking of it in the middle of it? Just what'd you say you're going to do? And then what were we able to actually do? And so let's do that. Let's figure that out. And then maybe that'll tell us like where our capacity is and how good we are at planning. Love it. Alrighty. Well, thanks everybody listening to Demand Gen U this week. We'll see you next week. Thanks everybody. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Demand Gen U. If you want to hear more, make sure to subscribe to get future episodes. You can also submit a specific topic you want us to talk about by DMing us on LinkedIn. If you like the show or want to share feedback, please leave us a review. It'll help us keep improving and get the word out to other marketers just like you. This podcast is brought to you by Metadata, the first demand generation platform that launches paid campaigns that self-optimize to revenue. If you're looking for a tool that makes it easier for you to build audiences, launch paid campaigns, and experiment at scale, you'll love Metadata. B2B marketers at Zoom, Okta, and ThoughtSpot use Metadata to automate the time-consuming parts of running paid campaigns so they can focus on the things that matter.